0: Guys, 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 Tottenham topple the champions of day one. And it might wow! He's taken the cover of that. A splendid goal from Son Hoon-min, which gets Spurs off to a flyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of A Bit Spursy. We won. Yes, that's right. We actually won. Uh, my name's Barney. I'm Dan. And yes, and we won.
1: It's great. We won.
0: I, I, oh I can't believe it. It's uh it's a new dawn, it's a new day. The old me, the angry me, he's dead. Um, you know. Yeah, are I, you Barney or are
1: you Barney's brother? Last
0: week you think you were Barney's brother. And understandably it's, it's so as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm back, I'm back as Barney. So that's this is my official return to the podcast. Yeah. Last week wasn't me.
1: no, no. Um, I think what's really struck us about this game, which we're going to talk about quite a lot because it feels good to talk about something when we are winning and playing well. Um, Mm. But why maybe it feels so kind of weird is because it's like the first time in a long time where I think we've actually played quite well and we've been enjoyable to watch. Um, Mm. Apart from maybe the city game a little bit, but this felt a lot more cohesive when we actually had the ball rather than holding on for dear life. Um, So I don't know. Is that how you kind of feel? Like it's, it's, there's this kind of new feeling that we're not used to, but we did have quite a long time ago.
0: Yes, yep. It feels, it feels like how I felt after the city game, in the sense of like it being enjoyable to watch, and it wasn't uh, just a low block or anything like that. Like it felt like it had a bit more to it. Um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel great. I feel like this is what I was hoping for, and uh, hopefully, it continues. Uh, following this game because in the past we seem to do it, well, we've done it twice and then pff, so. Um, it's so good for
1: like um, it just how quickly things shift and how perceptions shift. Like a week ago, um, you know, the the Spurs fan base in general was in a pretty glum <laughs> spot <laughs> um, and it was like, oh, no, this is horrible. Well, we're probably going to lose in Europa. We're going to lose to Villa. Nuno's going to get sacked. Nuno should go. Let's get Potch back. All right, Potch is coming back at the end of the year, maybe sooner because we're going to sack Nuno and it was just the discourse became very sort of negative and then we have a couple of wins in a week and it's like, all right, well, we're still capable of doing
0: something nice. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I heard, uh, I can't remember who it was on a on a on another podcast talking about how they don't want to be the type of podcast that swings between um, absolute despair and then uh, being absolutely ecstatic. But I think that to me is the whole point of following sport. Like, like you, you, you know, that's, if you don't have the good, you, you know, you can't have the bad. If you don't have, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get philosophical about it. But um, I think it's really important that we enjoy this win after what was, you know, a really uh, tough time.
1: Oh, definitely. And I agree with what you say. Like, you know, that's part of it. That's, that's just how it goes. Like, um, you know, it, people might criticise and say, this sounds ridiculous for you to say something like this, but like it wouldn't be enjoyable for me if we're watching a team where we are expected to win every week because mm. we don't get the excitement then of overachieving in a scenario And it's like, I can't believe we pulled together and did that and we got that win. We did that. So incredible. Like if you're expected to win, it's like your baseline expectation is like, well, how do you get happy? (laughs) Like Mm. You have to win like 8-0 and then you're suddenly happy with the result. Um, So I think it's that kind of like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Like, you know, every time that we beat a team, like there are a whole bunch of their fans' podcasts who are probably getting getting pretty upset with how they played and how they did that. And every time that we lose, the by the same token, rival fans are getting happy with that. So I think it's like, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's part of it that um, it's okay if you get a little bit upset. It's okay if you get really excited. Um, but, you know, generally when we talk, like we still, I feel like we come from a pretty grounded place where, you know, we can get pretty emotional where depending on how Spurs are playing and especially what time of the night we're watching. But... Mm. But at the end of the day too, um, I think it's like, you know, it's important to always kind of look at the bigger picture and be like, all right, cool. <laughs> as long as we're not playing in a really bad way for months and months on end, um, you know, we're going to have weeks where we're going to play pretty pretty poorly and we're going to have w- weeks when we're going to play really, really well and be really happy.
0: Mm, yeah, totally. And and on that, I mean, I think um, to um, reference Dean Smith's response to the game, which I just thought was Hilar- like Mourinho-esque and hilarious. that <laughs> It was like, oh, yeah, well, the difference between the sides was um, was Son had a really good game. It's so, like, well, one, it's okay if, <laughs> if uh, one player wins a game for a team, which was not the case here. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, Aston Villa were terrible, like they, you know, from being so good. And the other thing is that I've seen other takes where it's like, Aston Villa were terrible and that's why we won. It's like, no, we made them be terrible because I was so frustrated by the end of the game. It was like, it felt like something was going to go off because of the way that their players were sort of carrying on. Um, well, I yeah, think I told I,
1: you that like, I, I thought Douglas Louise was going to end up in the news later that day because the last five minutes of the game, I don't think I've ever seen a more frustrated player just constantly fouling, um, Yeah, f- f- you know, in, in the final minutes.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't remember who it was, so it was Douglas Louise. Yeah, that was uh, that was an absolute tirade. That was a tantrum.
1: <laughs> it was an absolute tantrum. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I really questioned the comments from Dean Smith. There, I wonder. This is the thing that we we're never really going to know if he goes back behind closed doors and he's like, that's he doesn't actually believe that. He just makes that to take pressure off his team um, after the game and be like, well, boys, well, you know, what can you do, Sonny? Well, what can you do, lads? Sonny. And then (laughs) they're all in change and like, you know what? You know what, gaffer? You're right. Sonny. All right, boys, let's go have a beer and let's all be happy again. Um, Or if he actually genuinely believes that the only difference was Son, um, in which case I'd be a little bit more worried for his sort of sanity because it's absolutely not the case in this gun.
0: Yeah, you wonder whether in that Aston Villa dressing room if you did go down that route of like, well, Sonny had a blinder, what can we do? And then like <laughs> Matt Cash or something is like, um, uh, what about all the other shots that they took that on another day it could have been like 5-0, five 5-1? Five so, uh, conjecture's stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think you're, I just, you're, you're remembering
1: yeah. things wrong, Cashy. I think Sonny, that was Sonny doing all
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I think Sonny had every single shot. Um, and he was in goal for a bit and yeah, it was, uh, it was a real complete performance. I mean, it really was a complete performance from Sun. Like it was, it was unreal. Um, it was, it was so impressive. And when he has a good game, it's always, you always feel good about it. Um, yeah, I, I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, when he does have a good game, he's, he plays with such, he's such an exciting player because he's quite, uh, quite dynamic. But he he's also very, uh, a, like, aggressive, not in his persona, but how he attacks and he really, when he's on song and when he is high on confidence, it's so fun seeing him just, like, go at players um,
0: yeah.
1: because he doesn't get too caught up, like, you know, trying to do, like, 50, you know, step overs and um, try and do them that way. But he's just so, like, it just seems so intentional. Um mm. And it just seems like he just knows he's going to get past them. He knows that he's better. And um, he just, you know, he's so tidy when he when he really gets up and, and plays like that. And I think that's when you just see the difference. Like I remember a, a, it was probably at the start of the season, maybe when we spoke um, about Son being out and the difference between Son and Kane. Um, and I know, again, that's a whole debate I don't want to go to, but, but like seeing when we have a player like Son who does have that pace and he just like – he can kind of like get the whole team going um, based off that energy. I think that is so important for us and and how we play.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. He gives us the uh, the forward thrust because we don't get it from Lucas because he's too busy like just going around in cul de um, and then Kane's too slow um, Endor Ballet does give us it when he uh, is able to for 10 minutes of a 90-minute game. Um, Sorry, I was just, I, I, I just going to say yeah. on, on the
1: Lucas front, I feel like when you say the cul-de-sacs, to me he reminds me of like a dad who's too proud to use the sat-nav and he's just driving around <laughs> side streets constantly. He's like, no, no, no we'll yep. get out of here. Don't worry. Don't worry, kids. We'll get out of here eventually. Just give it a bit more time. It's like, dad, we'll just yeah. plug it in the sat-nav. We'll, we'll show you the way. No, 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 no. No, leave it to me. And he's just hooning around. Um, yeah. And just absolutely going nowhere,
0: and he uh <laughs> while doing so is driving past three to four direct roads to the destination yeah um but he, <laughs> he yeah i mean i he he was pretty good, uh I feel bad you know, giving it to him when his game was actually you know he was all right and and to be fair, this was the most impressed I've been with Kane all season, probably. Um, because he looks like he was doing, you know, like he was taking fouls and he sort of was a bit more up and about. And, uh, there was a couple of headers inside our own box that he cleared. And I didn't think it was great, but it was, it was like, Oh, okay. Like he's, he's trying, <laughs> which is good.
1: Yeah. It was, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like it's, it wasn't when nowhere near Pete Kane and we're nowhere near that, like exciting, like, <laughs> all right, we're going to win because Kane, um, mm. But I think you're right. Like There were some better signs, and I wonder if maybe the improved mood from the rest of the team and the improved effort from the rest of the team, um, and it sounds so reductive to just put things down to effort and effort and all that sort of stuff. But really, if you compare the, the Arsenal game to the Villa game, like the effort of the players was completely different. Um, mm. And whether or not Kane sort of, you know, that gave Kane a bit of a push and a bit of a lift. Um I agree with you. Yeah, it's he's definitely not sort of um a player sort of, you know, stealing the headlines for us, although he would have if he scored that that quick free kick.
0: Ooh, yeah. Yeah, um, that would have been awesome.
1: But it's um yeah, and and it was I guess it was good as well for the rest of the team to do this without needing Kane to really shine. Um mm. as a just a reminder for everyone else of like, hey, we we are not the Harry Kane team. So even if Kane is going through a spell where he's you know he's trying to work a lot of things out and you know we don't we don't know really exactly where his future is going to be. Um, I think it was really nice to see you know a lot of the other players really step up and sort of take that responsibility. And yeah, it was just it was just great. It was just such a such enjoyable watch. And I know we only won two one, but it was you know a really um, it was just a really exciting game. I thought.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I've heard a couple of takes about how when it went 1-1, one, one, people were like, well, oh, this could go either way. But with the way we were playing, to be completely honest, I once it equalised, I still was like, we're going to win this game. I feel like we're going to win this game. Um, and I was right, and we did. Um, but <laughs> um, I thought this was a great, like, uh, welcome to Tottenham or welcoming the fans to uh, Emerson Royale. I thought he had a really, really good game. Um, and I was really impressed with uh his his defensive work and then also you know some of his stuff going forward um i was amazed. it was like the first time in three years that we've had a a right back that is like seemingly especially just even just this game competent at the job that they're meant to be doing i mean Mm -hmm. sorry no tanganga has also been good but uh yeah this felt uh this felt great after the surge years
1: Oh, definitely, and i i think I read earlier today that Serge is a sign for Villarreal. That's gone through. Yep. So have fun with that, uh, yeah. <laughs> yellow submarine fans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I, I don't—I don't have any resentment to a, towards Aria, um, you know, um, but I think definitely, yeah, it's—it's it's a good move. Like, I, I know hes already, he, he left, you know, a while ago. Um, but I think yeah when you see someone like Royale playing um you you really do it does reinforce the fact of like yep yeah, it was it was good to get rid of serge um and to move him on and you can go find somewhere else to play and you know hopefully still have an enjoyable career but um it's like like you said it was it was really nice seeing Royale in there and I think now like we were all pretty high on Tanganga after the city game um which he was phenomenal, but mm. then. I think seeing Royale, like, yeah, we are seeing a more complete sort of fullback for what we're after and for for Mm. what we need. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be games where Tanganga does come back in. Um, But, again, Tanganga, he seems very set on himself being a centre-back. So maybe the fact that we have Royale now is like, you know, Tanganga can go to becoming cover for a fullback and maybe we will start seeing him getting some centre-back sort of
0: starts. Um, Mm. Yeah.
1: As as we move through the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I think he just the way that he plays, and considering he's already got a red card, he's probably a good backup for um Romero. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um which he was so lucky that the ref called advantage and they scored. Because I reckon that could have been a red card, that tackle that he put in. Um and I, I like I, I know that like He's been blamed for the goal, but that's what he did is what Romero does. Like he is aggressive. He (laughs) flies into challenges um, and that's part of his game. And that's going to happen sometimes, but um, I'd rather have that than um, Dyer and Sanchez both standing in the box completely still (laughs) like statues, you know, like half looking at each other being like, do you go for this one or do I, or like, (laughs) Um, oh,
1: yeah I definitely. thought Romero
0: was great yeah and look
1: if you see the stats of from Romero so far like his jewels that's what he really excels compared to uh, what Dyer and Sanchez have recorded so far this season um, mm. and I agree it's like it's the way that he plays like we want an aggressive centre back in there um I mean, look. Ideally, would you go? Yeah. Can you have the two most composed centre backs in the world staying there and just commanding it elegantly? Of course. Lovely. Let's have two Lily Kings. Yeah. Let's go for it. Fine. Yeah. But they don't exist. So, mm. um, I think it's a really it's a really good way for us to start mixing things up. And I think what helps with that is when we have Skip in front, um, providing that bit more of a shield, um, and also then allowing you know if Romero does push up to like halfway. <laughs> Like, because it's like the to me, Romero's a little bit like someone playing FIFA who just forgets to change player and they just keep closing down with like their center back and drag them right out of position. Um, yeah. and then you see Romero's on like halfway and like get back, get back, get back. Um, but as long as the rest of the team is aware of that and we're playing to that, um, then it's like great, there's no problem there. If we're on the same page with it, then you know, it's it's great. And I think it'll it'll be harder for other teams to deal with, um, having this center back that you can't get away from, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he feels like, you know, how um, Jan Vertonghen used to do those sort of like mazy runs up the pitch. It's like, it reminds me of that, except it's like the revenge movie version where <laughs> he he's going up there to like crash into people uh, rather than, you know, like trying to carry the ball up the pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think it's great. I, I also should mention that I yet again need to um, apologize to Oliver Skip because he was fantastic. Um, and, um, I think he should play every week now. Like that was, it was a great performance. He reads the game so well. Um, and I I understand, I think myself, I'm giving myself an excuse, but some fan responses to skip, um, being quite negative. And I think it's because we've had two false comings of the, of the new midfield Christ in Winks and, um. Oh, Tom, Tom Carroll. What? Yeah, Tom Carroll. Um, where both of them have sort of been built up to be this this player, and then when we've actually had them in the team, you're like, oh no, nope, they're not it, not at all. Well, I think we've had more oh. than
1: that as well. Like, I think even going back a little bit further, you know, you've got players like like Mason to an extent. Like he mm-hmm. was coming through as always a bright young player, and like he was he was decent in the first team, but he really wasn't that outstanding. He had like maybe one or two really good games. Um, mm. but then we also had players like Benteleb. Um, mm. We had players like Jamie O'Hara. We had like, you know, there's quite a few players who we've thought have come through and they're like, yeah, they are going to be this new like midfield, um, you know, dominant. Oh, we're bringing through the next Gerard, the next Lampard. We're finally getting one of those for ourselves um, in this sort of modern era. And there have been a lot of false dawns with that. So I I think it's fair enough to be sceptical of those things because so often we do talk highly of, you know, young players coming through the system and so often they don't actually end up, you know, developing and and getting to a level. Like I remember back in the day hearing a lot about Kane when he was playing in the (laughs) under-18s and it's like, oh, we've got this kid, Harry Kane, he's scoring like, you know, a goal a game, more than that, everything. Like, you know, he could be the next one. And then the first time that we saw him um, when he started playing at the end of was it the, the Sherwood brought him in? I think, and he played, he played like eight games or so towards the end of that season. Um, mm. And you were kind of like, oh, okay, I think he scored one goal maybe. And you're like, okay, but don't really, don't really see how he scores so many goals. Don't really get it. Um, but then the next season, you're like, okay, all right, <laughs> mm. we see what we have here. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think look, you know, Skip might take a little bit of time and um but yeah i agree i think he's he should be starting every week for us and i think he's a really valuable player to have in there and he just we look so much more settled and i think the results mm. so far this season it's like with him in the team i think when he started we've only lost one and then when he hasn't played we haven't won any um mm. so not to put it all all just down to skip there're a lot of other factors there but yeah i really do think that having him there allows your favorite player um oh to have a lot more freedom as well in his game.
0: Yeah, we get uh, turbo Pierre when <laughs> um, Skip plays. And, like, one of the things that it allows him to do, which he did a lot and very effectively in this game, is instead of um, under Mourinho and and in games without Skip, once w- we're not able to uh, retain possession in our forward half, like we've got no one making interceptions, but this game Pierre was just like, absolutely, uh, I I can't think of a word to describe it because I want to say guarding, but he was more active than that. (laughs) Just like patrolling up and down the front of the um, final third, uh, intercepting their out balls. And um, a couple of the tackles he made were just phenomenal, let alone the goal that he scored, which was uh, a goal I think Harry Kane uh, would have been envious of. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I can see you putting through the vote for goal of the season. To, <laughs> yeah. It should be Pierre against Villa. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I th- I, and I think you're right. Like he allows us to defend uh, on the front foot a little bit more when he is playing mm. further up the field because um, yeah. it's, it's almost like, like – and there are a lot of different opinions on him. Some people do think that he should be sitting. Um, some people, you know, this, that, everything else. But I really think it's like it's really the combination of the midfield and who we're actually playing, what shape we're playing, um, I think mm. it's so good to see, like you know, a four-two-three-one, and with the two, if one of those Hoiberg is pushing forward more, that's fine because you've got Skip, mm. who's gonna, you know, he's gonna play it safe in the sense of like positionally, uh, he's he's not gonna get caught in caught into anything if Pierre presses real real high up. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I think it's great. Like this is my favorite type of Pierre when he does have that license to go because I also think that. You know, when he does get sort of like up into sort of scoring positions and he does score, it does feel like that overachievement happening. So you don't expect him to. So you're like, come on, Pierre, come on, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so rewarding when he does.
0: I want to make a prediction that maybe is a little bit risky, but I think obviously Dembele is probably one of the best, probably the best midfielder I've ever seen. Um, and one of his things that, uh, was never part of his game was scoring goals, which is funny because he was initially being played as a center forward. Um, but I predict that Pierre will finish his Spurs career with more goals than, um, Dembele. Oh, d- um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I think as well, we're mm. going to have Pierre for a long time. Like, um, mm. I know, you know, we constantly at each other, to, to, like, bigging him up for being captain and, um, and Again, I think we've just spoken about this. Like, not necessarily taking it off, um, Lloris, but Pierre has to be next in line yeah. um, to take on that. And um, it's just so great. I love hearing him talk, and like the interviews he gives after games. And um, you know, he comes across very sort of like honestly, very sort of like down to earth, and like he's someone that you really enjoy listening to
0: um, mm.
1: because you think that he's not just gonna, he's not just gonna fluff it up with like you know, the standard sort of cliche sayings. Um, he's also not going to kind of like hide how he really feels. Like I think he communicates pretty openly and um, I I really like that from a captain and I think that's probably mm. been maybe a thing that I've, I've, I don't know, I've wanted a bit more from Larice out of it that he seems more like a silent leader um, mm. unless it's him and Son in the dressing room on all or nothing and he's just nutting <laughs> yeah. it. And it's like maybe in the dressing room he, de- he is a bit more vocal, but even on the docos we were seeing like Kane was doing a lot of the, the, the sort of talks there. Like Loris wasn't really doing too much. And I've always enjoyed it when like you have a club captain who actually does communicate more and puts himself out there more because then I mm. think it's like you get that greater link to the fans because you're like, all right, we know we're going to hear Pierre talk about this. And it's yeah. like Loris, like the only real times that, I really recall him speaking is, like, after the game in Zagreb where he, like, finally said something and it was, like, great. It was so good to finally hear him talk. Mm. But, yeah, I think it's, like, you know, a future with Pierre uh, and sort of building around him as, like, one of the cornerstones of the team I think is a really – it's a really exciting um, place to be because he's he's just a, you know, just a great guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh, the, the crazy thing as well, which I forget, is he's 25. Like, he looks – about forty, and you, the way he speaks, he seems like he's much older than twenty-five. But he's twenty-five years old. Like that is uh, that's very young in terms of uh, being a captain or you know being a leader on the pitch. And he seems to he seems to be that. Um, one question I wanted to ask um, is: I noticed last year, especially in the empty stadiums, that there is someone in our defence, and I think it is Hugo who yells, "Get out! Get out!" Um, <laughs> and I thought it was, um, Zhao Sacramento last year, but obviously it's still happening. And, um, so I think it must be Larice, but I really want to know who, who, cause I yell it exactly the same way every single game, multiple times a game. And I need to know who it is.
1: Maybe it's a recording of Lloris that they're just playing in the stadium and yeah. he's like, no, I don't want to communicate during the game. I just want to, but you can record me saying this. Yeah, And then they just have the stadium announcer just constantly just pressing that <laughs> throughout the match. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they've just got, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, one of those like MIDI boards, but just one button where they're just hitting, <laughs> get out, get out. Um, Graham, should you put yeah. on
1: some other other sounds and stuff on there? It's like, no,
0: yeah. Hugo said it's just the one, yeah. just the one. <laughs> it's, it's just the one. Um, the other great thing in this game was the celebrations for both goals. Like Pierre was, so, I mean, you would expect he was so pumped when he scored and, mm. you know, he gave this huge celebration that was full of passion. And, and then when uh, Sonny put that cross in for the alleged own goal, I still think Luke has got the last touch. Um, you know, Sonny runs towards the crowd and, celeb- you know, he's really excited about it, um, which, you know, compared to the last couple of weeks was just such a fantastic breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah, and I think it it felt like a release from the players too. Like you could see maybe you know how disappointed they were with last week, Um, Mm. and it's easy for us as fans to think like, oh, these players, like they didn't put in against Arsenal, so they just don't care. That's the that's the only answer possible for that scenario. Whereas you know, in hindsight, there are probably some players in the squad who don't really care as much. Um, Like interestingly enough, I was um, I've been reading Peter Crouch's. book one of his uh, how to become a footballer I think it is uh, oh, which cool. is basically just a whole lot of stories from his time throughout the game um, mm. and he's the the chapter was reading was talking about like Benoit Asuokoto which mm. is well publicized that um, he doesn't it's not that he doesn't like doesn't really care too much about football like he actively hates it um, and plays it and there's just so many stories in the book where he's basically just like I think like Samuel Eto tried to give the whole camera union team watches for like as a, as a congratulations when they qualified for the World Cup. And Asoceto was like, no, no one buys watches for me. If I want to watch, I buy it. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, well, it's just like, it's a gift for everyone. It's, it's fine. It's like, no, not happening. Um, and then apparently he rocked up to every game he would refuse to eat like the, the team meal that they'd have at the stadium. And he rocked up to every game with like a, apparently a Tesco's bag, which had like a croissant, a hot chocolate, um, a packet of like, chips um and and it was like a coke or something like that but he was just so stuck in his way he's like no not doing that no i'm not doing that um i mean he was still a great player for us on the field so the point actually doesn't really make any sense but what i'm getting at is that you know there are some players who don't care as much as others but i i don't feel that really summarizes the whole you know all of the problems that we've been having with our squad because yeah you see the goals you see the celebrations you see how much they actually care um and how proud they were to like be able to do that in our, you know, in our stadium in front of our home fans again um, after mm. quite a poor run. Um, mm. You can see, especially Pierre, like I've just got that. It's like a gif in my head, which is just playing on repeat his celebration um, oh, yeah. for that. Cause it's just so like, it's so passionate. And I think that stuff, it's really good for the fans to see that. And also it's good for the team. Like the, it really gets them revved up.
0: Yeah. I think it was um, really well summarized the, the passion the team showed and the the tenacity to to win the game. By Nuno in his um, post match, he said um, it was it was great to have th- the fans in, um, but this is a time where we need to give back to the fans. They don't need to give to us. And so much in sport, it's about like how the fans were great and they urged the players on. And then I was like, that is such a great way of looking at it to motivate the team. It's like, no, you need to give you're giving to them. And then when you give to them, they give back to you. Um, and I wonder whether that had, you know, anything to do with how he uh, motivated or spoke to the team before the game, um, because it did seem very um, fan uh, focused, like both celebrations, which towards the fans. And then there was another point where I can't remember who it was. It might've been, it was, it was Reggie and it, it was right at the end of the game and he turned to the fans. We were in the corner and he went like this and, you know, like it was, yeah, it felt like they were very aware of of what was happening, which when it's going well is a great thing. Um, yeah, I thought that was really encouraging.
1: I love that when the players like demand the fans to, to lift. Um, mm. Like I always love that when there's, you know, the game's in the balance a bit and like Son does it a bit too. Um, mm. He loves to just turn to the fans, give the arms up and, mm. and come like, come on. And then I find even if I'm at home watching a game, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm like, "Yeah, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, no, yeah, sorry, yeah, let's do it." <laughs> um, but it does it does show that that um, it it does like it's a good point you raise that it's a it's not just a one way relationship where you know um, it has to go both ways. Like the players yeah. are going to sometimes amp up the fans, the sometimes the the fans are going to amp up the players. But yeah, it's it's not this thing where it's just this shut off and like you know they're just robots out there. Like, Mm. you know, them turning around and going like, hey, we need you to lift like to give us, you know, Mm. give us that energy. Um, I think the really challenging thing is that as fans, like we don't get to really experience what it's like to be the absolute center of attention in a stadium full of 60,000 people. Like when you're Mm. in the middle of the game in like, you know, a pretty tense scenario on the ball and you've got like 60,000 fans in there. Like most of us Mm. will never experience that in our lifetime or anything similar to that. Um, mm. The closest we get maybe is being in the stadium, but then we don't, mm. we're still not responsible We can like just have our drink and food and just, you know, seeing and that's it. Um, yeah. But I think that's really something which we'll never really get. So yeah, I, I love when that, when we keep things as positive as we can as a fan base um, and support us on the day and yeah, really sort of, yeah, work symbiotically, I guess is what I'm saying, like with the players and um, really get that energy going.
0: mm I have had some experience with when I used to work, I used to work at the AFL with the camera crew and um, being on the ground when the fans were, you know, it was full, um, was, it's very intense. It's a very intense feeling. Um, once you realize you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are yelling, it's um, it's amazing. But yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, they weren't yelling at me. Um, I was too busy like dropping camera cords and, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's also great because there has been this real, especially because there's been no fans in the stadium, and then, you know, the Mourinho appointment was so divisive and the comments that he would make would be so divisive. And um, this idea that Nuno has of, of um, which I hope persists, is of the players need to give to the fans, um, is a great way of not only, like, de-individualizing the players instead of being like, did I have a good game? What do I need? You know, it's like, what do I need to do for these people? Mm-hmm. Not only for my teammates, but for all these people as well. Um, and, you know, that's that's really cool. Um, and, and, yeah, re-engaging the fan base in, in a way um, that it hasn't been since, you know, good Pochettino times, I think, is really important.
1: I'm glad as well you said good Poch. Um, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. It's like these Poch rumors. I think it's, it's, it's probably going to be maybe similar to a Gareth Bale situation with Poch. Like until we actually get him back one day, it's just always he's constantly going to be linked, um, mm. in coming back to us. Like I'm just like every week there's just something like PSG. I think they lost in the Champions League and then they also lost to Wren. or they drew mm. with Wren. but and oh, no, I think they lost to Wren. um. Again, which shows Ren, not a bad side. Uh, draw, yeah. draw against him is <laughs> not too bad. Let's just give ourselves yeah. a paddle back there. Um, but then suddenly there's links of like, oh, Poch coming back to Spurs. Oh, Nuno's only got a one-year, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really only a one-year deal because the club can sack him for free at the end of the year. That's the leak from like the <laughs> athletic. And you're just like, I'm kind of done with all these leaks because like there's no verification for any of these things. And all they seem to do is to like um, destabilize and upset the balance of everything because they're always it's always something like oh Nuno doesn't get on with any of the players, they all they all can't connect with him. It's like, who's leaking this right? Like, where's this yeah. coming from? Um, mm. and who's going like, oh yeah, Nuno's contract says that the club can sack him for free. So the club want to sack him and get Poch back in. That's the official leak. Um, and then they it's backflipping on that, and the club going, like, oh hang on, no, that's not true. That's we want to kill that rumor where it is. Um, So it seems like as soon as something starts going a little bit well again for us, it's like, well, all right, let's try and unsettle everything um, by these stupid rumors.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, not to get too tinfoil hat Tottenham supporter. um, I mean, I love doing it. So whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) I love it. I own it, Barney. Just get the tinfoil hat out. It's it's great. But it's just like. You know, the athletic thing, uh, David Ornstein coming out and being like, it's only a one-year deal and Spurs are going to sack him for Pochettino. And it's, you know, like him being there is like pointless. and But as soon as we win after w- losing three games, I was like, oh, thanks, Arsenal supporter. Thanks, famous <laughs> Arsenal supporter. What a great time to drop that. Like, how long have you known about this? Or, you know, wh- when did you c- come up with this rumour? Um, yeah, so frustrating. It's just like, what? Uh, the other thing that just... Uh, which we touched on last week, but um, I sort of really only started noticing it after you mentioned it. they just rolling on of like, well, the players know that Nuno was, you know, seventh, seventh in the job. And so they might not, it's like, the players can think for themselves whether they think that Nuno was a good manager or not. They also like, we lost to him a bunch of times. <laughs> it's not like they'd be like, it's, we haven't brought in, we haven't reintroduced Tim Sherwood into the fold. Like, they're not going to be like, no, stuff this. Also, like, th- surely they're not like, they don't perceive Daniel Levy to be the ultimate in manager decision-making. And so, you know, him not getting his first seven means that Nuno is the seventh choice and he never would have been considered. It's like, uh, I, it's so frustrating and boring to me, that coverage. It's like, this is this is based on less than these leaks. Like it's it's just stating that he was, like him being seventh and the player's response to that, uh, correlation doesn't equal causation. Like it's got nothing to do with it.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think you're right. Like I can't see them on the training ground where, you know, Nuno's like, all right, guys, we're going to do a shooting drill. Uh, let's do that. Let's overload, you know, four attackers and, you know, two defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like, you know, Hoi yeah like whispering to skip like oh i wonder what is this the seventh preference of like training drill like <laughs> yeah. i wonder what the six other managers would have done in this situation like it's such it paints such a dire situation constantly and it almost i almost feel it's like if you've got if you're a, this isn't a comment about all journalists but just like it seems like certain organizations it's like we've got the board up here it's like well things are going well uh what can we find to say something's going wrong because people mm. love reading about things going wrong. People don't yep. love reading a reading about how great was, uh, you know, how great was the game on the weekend. Uh, it's like, no, they might read one article of like, hey, here's a tactical breakdown of why we did so well. And then they're just going to go off and enjoy their lives and live their week happy uh, and then wait for the next game. Whereas when we're not playing well, it's like, well, we need to find reasons, we need to find reasons. And then these news sources, they just give us so many different reasons. And mm. they're almost like, well, do you like this reason? Well, if you don't like that one, we got another one. How about this one? Do you like that one? Ah, mm. No. Oh, like wait, wait till you see what i got here in this big chest. How about this reason? Uh, and then it, it just becomes so tiring where it's just like, can we just stop? We don't need this many articles. Like we just don't. We don't need this, yeah. these many reports every week.
0: Especially because after the Arsenal game, um, in the interview, they were like, Nuno, what went wrong? And he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I got the tactics wrong and I got the personnel wrong. Yeah. Like that's what he that's what he actually said. And sure you can't believe everything that a manager says because they they're serving multiple different um parties. But he actually disclosed like why not then do an analysis of why it didn't work rather than be like, "Yeah, sure he said that, but let's come up with 60 other reasons that are more like existentially threatening, like the fact that he was seventh choice which can't be changed." Yeah. It's it's so, it's so frustrating. Um, and like, there's also this, this idea that the players don't like Nuno and, you know, he's gruff and grumpy and blah, blah, Like on the weekend, they were all hugging. Like, it's yeah. like, what, what it seems, you know, when he's talking to players, it doesn't seem like they're like, oh, yeah. you know, they seem very engaged. <laughs> like it's, it's what you see it's, and what is reported, uh. Just can sometimes be so desperate, disparate. It's ridiculous.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and like what you said, like there was an after the um after the Arsenal game, um, from the Athletic again, which was like this result was three years in the making. This loss, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three whole years in the making to get it here, and here's like ten reasons why we've gotten to this loss today. And I was just reading that, I was like, what? Is- like there might be some like validity in some of those statements as statements, but, you know, um, stand alone, just just left to themselves. But mm. to just go like, why did we lose today? Well, I'm, let me break down three years of you while we lost one game. It's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like this is just yeah. insane. And again, it's just these like knee jerk sort of like um, reactions. But I, I understand too, there's a lot of pressure to keep churning out content. And it's like, well, let's let's just dive into this again and rehash some old stories
0: yeah exactly like, all every every well most journalists needs to need to do like first year a first year science introductory uh, unit to just be like, You cannot <laughs> write an article where you're like, This is what happened over three years and this is exactly why they lost It's like what like it just doesn't make any sense, and the thing is that it then fuels. You know, because people, people read this stuff and you expect that these people are experts and that their opinion is based on some kind of foundation of uh, truth or expertise or whatever. But, like, what they're in the business of narrative building. Like, it's mm. like they're all writers for a soap, you know, and football can be like a soap, like a soap opera, you know. And that's what they're doing. They're churning that along. It's not because the actual reporting on the game is not as uh, – Engaging. If you're like um, Spurs, had uh, one point six seven xg that was created by um, this and this. And look, like, if you open with like, you know, like Oliver Skip comes in, Hoybier appears jealous. Like, then it, all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs>
1: boom. boom. Yeah, they hate each other. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah, like you know, Hoybier keyed Oliver Skip's Porsche. Oh wow, <laughs> wow, wow. What a oh wow, what a tussle that's developing there. It's mm. just like it's just like nuts. Like, you know, can football just be our escape <laughs> where we don't need all the yeah. extra drama from we've got yeah. enough drama in normal life. Uh let's let's just keep it keep it fun. Um Yeah, exactly. I guess one thing I, I wanted to mention, which I didn't fully watch the game in midweek against um uh Mura, but I saw the highlights of it. And I know you did mm. watch the game. Um yep. but I guess what I took from that, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, was um it seemed like you know, it's a team that we definitely shouldn't have lost to. Uh, I mean, we didn't. <laughs> the way I said it, yeah. it sounded like we would lost, but we, <laughs> we should never lose a game like that at home. Hey, um, we at, were we even at home. Yeah, we, we were, were at home. Yeah. yeah. Why am I talking about this yeah. game? I don't know anything. <laughs> um, we should. <laughs> it's a game we should win. Um, it seemed like. Uh, and I think Ali Gold might have talked about this, that it seemed like, you know, the subs getting Kane into the game, getting like Son, getting Lucas into the game, bringing them on in the second half was like a real move to like build up confidence within the players um, for for the weekend, which seemed to work. Um, mm. And also the other takeaway seemed to be that Lacelso apparently played quite well playing through the middle in that game. Mm. Um, so I guess how did you, what was your response to that?
0: I... Felt after the game, I was like, Lo Celso's definitely going to start on the weekend um, because he looked so good. Um, and I've seen the the sort of like flip side of that take where it's like, um, I can't believe that he made those subs. Like, why would he make those subs? But to me, Ali Gold's got it right. Like, it, we were never in danger of losing. Even though it went to 2-1, the goal they scored was an absolute worldie that was like, something that you'd hit in a park (laughs) once (laughs) and then never, ever be able to repeat again. And they just didn't like, it didn't look like we were going to concede at all. And then so bringing those players on to just, you know, A, really show up the fact that we're going to win. Um, But B, also just give them a bit of confidence and a bit of, you know, touch Like Kane scoring three was great. Um, And, you know, just being able to sort of, they just outplayed this team, which they should outplay. Um. Yeah, and to get you know build chemistry or whatever the process was, I thought it was um, I thought it was great. The the one thing that was a little concerning was that um, Delhi gets hooked against Arsenal, and we hear that you know Nuno says I picked the wrong personnel, and then the following Premier League game, the difference is Skip comes in, Delhi is not in, he's on the bench, Tanganga is on the bench, um, and I. Th- I think that's the only difference. Sanchez, though. yes, and Sanchez. Yeah, um, and all of those subs made sense at the time. And then Delhi was the captain for this game, and I was like, oh, okay, Delhi got hooked, uh, and now he's made in the captain for this game. But then Delhi got hooked again, uh, <laughs> and the thing is that he didn't look very good. Like he looked average as, and it was it was like the perfect like this is why Delhi isn't great game because mm. you'd think he'd be dominating and sure he scored that pen and the pen was great, but yeah, it, it, it he was just slow and pondersome and his touch wasn't good. It was like, yeah, it was, it was concerning. Um, yeah. I would say that was my, probably my biggest takeaway of the game because the rest of it, it just didn't like, it felt like we were going to, we, I mean, we scored in the fourth minute or something, but yeah. yeah um, It was a bit of a worry.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I guess on that, like, hopefully we do see uh, Lo Celso start getting some more more minutes playing through the middle, um, mm. seeing how that goes. Because, like, despite Ndombele's brilliance, is Lacelso a more sort of complete player? Um, mm. The other question might be it's like, well, if we've got Skip and Hoybier in the team, like, does that mean we can afford to have Ndombele there? Um, I think we're not really going to know for a while, like, what. Who we view as our like, you know, there are definitely players who are locking down their spot in the starting eleven. Um, yeah, but I think in that role of like, uh, are we going to go with like a uh, an Dombalay or a Lo Celso in midfield or a Delhi? Like, um, and like you say, Delhi now, like you know, he was getting selected every game and now he's kind of been dropped and he's you know, but still then made captain, but then mm. <laughs> dropped. Like, it's going to be I think really interesting to see how that kind of develops uh, after the international break and like once we get a, another run of games there, how we, who's playing basically. Um, and yeah, and how we sort of keep moving through, moving through that. And and I think we are starting to get, get a bit of a first 11, um, which I like to have. I, I think it's always great to have rotation, but to know who your first 11 is, I think is important.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I am definitely not, in favour of kind of what Mourinho did with the first 11 and then there's the second string players. Yeah. I like a first 11 that's that's pretty tight and then for each game there are slight adjustments. Uh, you know, Lucas comes out for Bergvine or, you know, things like that. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I What do you think about every uh, time I do career mode on FIFA, the first thing I do is I convert Deli to a centre-forward because I think he's useless as a midfielder and he scores heaps of goals. Um, but I wonder, obviously that's not at all reflective of what he's actually like, but I just think, I just think, you know, his best seasons we're playing is that second striker, that number 10, like why we don't have another striker. We've got, I mean, we've got Son and Kane, but they play mostly at the same time. Like why doesn't Delhi become the, the second strike at and it's been tried before and it was a bit meh, but I I think it's worth giving another shot.
1: Yeah. Look, to be honest, like I wouldn't be against trying it in certain games, especially say like, you know, conference league, um, trying it out a bit there. Um, and he does have some skill obviously, and he can pull things out that like, he can still do some pretty like incredible things that, mm. um, like, you know, that no other, like when he, when it all works for Delhi, like he is a class player. But it's yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of an interesting one because you know he's over the off season there was a lot of footage of him like trying to work really hard, get in really good shape, Um, and he was working really hard in the midfield in the first three games for us, but um, it wasn't always necessarily sort of clicking from there. Um, It just seems like you have to play a very specific system to fit Delhi in Mm. regularly, Um, and. You know, I'm either of the point of, like, you're either going to play a system and get him in there or you're going to sell him to another club and let him go off and, you know, keep his career going somewhere, excuse me, somewhere else. Um, But it's, like, why not try him out in some Mm -hmm. other positions um, and try him out as, like, a bit of a maverick striker who he's not, you know, he's not super quick. Like, he doesn't doesn't move that fast. Um, So he's not going to be a striker who's kind of, like, getting in behind. However, like he can make those, he does make those late runs into the box. So, you know, if you have a situation where he's maybe again he's dropping a little bit deeper, um, and he's trying to like look to play other players through, or, um, yeah, it's a really interesting one, and I don't think there's like a real clean like solution that any because mm. I think if there was, someone would have found it <laughs> already. <laughs> one of the managers would have, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think we should give up on Delhi completely yet, but. Um, yeah, it seems like the clock is still ticking. I think on on actually finding a way to sort of get the best out of him again that doesn't result in us having to play with a second striker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm so desperate for it to work out for him. Um, I, I wonder whether and hear me out. If he played on the left hand side of the uh, attacking band in front of Reg, uh, in front of Reggie, so then Reggie can bomb forward. Um, and Delhi can cover um on that side as well uh when Reg- when Reggie's forward because Delhi can make a tackle. Or on that on that left hand side he's able to drift in kind of like what Doherty was supposed to do with those diagonal runs into the box. Um and that way he sort of has more of a purpose than just a second striker. That would be that would be my fix, Nuno. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think in
1: I think in conference games, keen to try stuff out, like yeah, like why not give that a go? Um, Mm. Not to disrespect the league as well, because we've shown like you know there are some decent teams in there, but we can definitely I think play around a bit more than there in there than we can in say the Premier League, where you know just trying something out or trying to get a run of games, like you could get Delhi running playing in a certain position for a a, you know the rest of the group games in the conference league, Um, which I know still isn't that many games, but at least there's you're able to try things out for a number of times without it say being, you know, higher pressure um, premier league matches.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially in these group these group games where I think maybe not against Ran but the other two teams like we can do what we did as long as it doesn't go too badly. We can do what we did in this last match where it's like um and not that things were particularly dire there, but it's like okay, let's break glass and bring on now. Let's bring on, you know, Pierre and um, Kane and so on, um, and boss this game. Let's kill this game now. Um, after trying stuff out, like I think it's a really good um, option, like you said, to to experiment and see and see what works and what doesn't.
1: Definitely. Uh, look, should we do a bit Spursy medal for the uh, Villa game? I think we've, we've dropped off doing it for the Conference League. Um, that's yeah. that's fine. Um, let's go for the, the Villa game, the bit Spursy medal. Yep. I think it might be slightly more positive than what we did last week. Um, yep. But we'll see. But uh, do you want to kick off with your votes for, for that?
0: Sure. I'm going to go uh, uh, three votes to Sonny. Uh, no explanation necessary. He was just <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Um, two votes I'm going to give to Pierre for that glorious strike Um, absolutely wonderful stuff and just his all-round play Um, and then I'm going to give one vote to uh, Emerson um, because yeah I thought it was a really good uh, coming out game like emergence game it was awesome Um, I'm going to give a a little encouragement to Nuno because the um, performance was was such an improvement on what we've seen and uh, it felt like he sort of you know he got it right Um, and then in terms of other encouragement awards, um, I'm going to give an encouragement award to Lucas because, um, it was his goal. So, (laughs) uh, um, so yep. I'm going to stick with that. And then in terms of, of negatives, I I don't, I don't. Oh, Dean Smith gets a negative. He gets negative three. (laughs) Um, because he was so whiny and annoying after the game. Um, And that's, that's the, that's my votes.
1: All right. Excellent. Um, At the risk of being annoying, I'm going to do the thing that some of those people do at restaurants and go, I'll have what he's having. Um, (laughs) And I had the same votes um, for the three, two, one. Um, So we'll just double those up Um, and encouragement votes uh, as well. I think Lucas deserves one for the goal. I also uh, had an encouragement for Romero. Yeah, as well, because it's like I think, yeah, that he just adds something in there that we've been lacking for a long time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and just that mobility from a centre back is good to see um, for us. I'm going to give a uh, negative. I'm going to give a negative three uh, to the refereeing system. Uh, <laughs> so something that got got me a little bit annoyed was the, the fact that apparently, if you take a throw in, you can a normal <laughs> throw in, you get rushed along after a few seconds. Uh, yet, if you want to do a magical, big, long, super special, you know, m- medi throw, it's like the game pauses for like two minutes where it's like yeah. he was coming across sometimes from right back to left, like left wing. Um, mm. And then the whole team, you know, Mings comes in, and the whole team sets up like it's a corner. Um, and then it's like he takes his long, you know, little walk back and then he's like cleaning the ball and all this sort of thing. And, it's like he's setting up camp there. He's like, he needs to pay rent to like how long he's staying <laughs> in these p- places in the field. And the refs are just like, Oh, it's fine. It's a long throw." Even yeah. to the fact like Aston Villa have this guy that looks like Nordic Jesus, who is actually <laughs> Scottish. Um, who's like a long throw and a set piece expert. And they've got him in to like work on all this stuff. But I'm like, how is this not a thing? So there's, you can't take that long on these, on these opportunities. So, my negative three votes uh, go against the refereeing
0: panel. Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there. It was insane the amount of time that they were given to throw the ball in to allow, yeah, to allow them to set up completely. It was it was like American football where they like stop for a, and set up the play. It was like so ridiculous. Like he should, you're right. He should pay. He should pay for the. Um, supporters tickets behind him who were blocked from view for two minutes. Definitely. Like it was ridiculous. And I I loved as well, which was quite a good payoff is that, you know, he'd run over from the other side of the ground. He'd polish the ball. Everyone would move up. Um, He'd go back. He'd think about what he was going to do. And then he'd go and launch the throw and one of our players just had it. (laughs) It (laughs) it didn't didn't work. Um, Yeah. So yeah I mean, that, that, that was good but yeah I agree. just like what the hell was that?
1: It's just absolutely ludicrous. Mm. Um, yeah but there we go. there are our votes for the uh, the bitsposy medal. Uh, yep. now I think we've, we've we've just got a couple minutes left mm. um, and there's a special little segment I want to just squeeze in here Barney. Um, yeah be so yeah, to be, yeah, to be very clear everyone Barney has not seen any of this before. But no. I got a little bit excited after, after um, you know, the game of the weekend. So I thought I'd I'd, mm-hmm. I'd have a crack at writing some fan fiction. Fantastic. Uh, I've never written yep. fan fiction before, but mm. I thought we'll give it a go. So, um, Barney, I've sent you through a script, which
0: mm. to confirm you haven't read. Just, I haven't read. I haven't read. I just opened it now and I still haven't read it. I love that, you know, most podcasts get, more professional as they sort of go on and we're just getting weirder and weirder and weirder.
1: Well, it's like, how internet can we go? That's yeah. what.
0: I- <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal of this podcast. How internet can we go? How
1: internet can we go? And you know, yeah. we might not do a fan fiction segment again, but after this, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Um, um, yeah, exactly. But also we have uh, NFTs coming out that you can purchase. Um, yeah. We are getting, um, We're getting uh, special or bit spursy bitcoins. Cost us a lot of money. Um, So much.
1: So much money. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, well, let's push it. Let's see what can happen. Let's do it.
0: Um, Okay. Uh, Who's reading the the directions?
1: I'll read the directions. Uh, You can play the role of Barney and I'll play the role of Pierre.
0: Fantastic. Um,
1: Okay. So we open inside a store for the famous UK chain Pret-a-Manger. Barney is standing at the counter about to order.
0: I'm so thirsty. I'd really love a short macchiato, please. Before Barney could finish ordering, we hear the doorbell ding
1: as Pierre-Emile Hoiberg enters. Barney turns his attention to Pierre.
0: Hang on, who am I saying that first line to? Is that just to... Oh, sorry, just that's to... the...
1: Okay, this 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 was written quite quickly. Sorry, that was <laughs> kind of to yourself, but also to the barista.
0: Um. Okay, sure. All so right, now got it, got it, Pierre's okay.
1: come in and you've yeah. heard the doorbell ding, you've turned around, you've seen that it's Pierre. Okay,
0: cool. All right, here we go.
1: Oh, my God. Yep.
0: Pierre Villoyen, my favourite player. Oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. My name's Barney, and i come all the way from Australia to watch Spurs. I was at the Villa game. It was so great to see you score. Well, it was a great effort from the whole team, and, and nice to win again. Can I please have your socks? That would make a really great souvenir to take home. Uh, I, I, I don't have them.
1: The, the kid man took them after the game. Oh, no. That really sucks. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't carry my kit around with... I don't know what accent I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't carry around my kit. or uh, I don't carry with them all the time.
0: Can I have some money instead? Sorry? Some money. If you don't have the socks, money, money will do fine. I don't want to give you any... Because much. then I can go and buy some socks from the club shop. They're only 15 pounds. Okay. Can't you go buy your own socks? No, Pierre. If you give me the money for the socks, then it's like you're still giving me your socks. So it makes sense. It really does. And then I can go back home and tell all my friends that I have your socks. But I wouldn't have worn them, though. Well, I can buy the socks, then we can meet up at your place later, and you can put them on for a minute whilst I make us some Twining's tea. How about I
1: give you money for the socks, but we'll leave it the rest to chance, hey? It really feels like you're giving me
0: a cold shoulder. I don't, I don't like that. I was telling all my friends that you should be our club captain because of your leadership qualities. You, You don't know how much I love you. You're like a father figure to me.
1: Pierre takes a moment. Okay, you know what, Barney? Let's do it. Really? Yeah, sure. Why not? Here's my number and address. You can come round later.
0: I'm going to add you in my phone under the name Best Friend and Father.
1: Sounds good, Barney. See you soon. <laughs> Pierre leaves the Predomonchair. Barney is very happy.
0: That's wow. The- <laughs> I, I honestly thought, you know, I thought it was going to be like two pages, but that was – for a while I was like, is this the director's cut of Return of the King? It was like uh, – it was longer
1: uh, read than what I uh, – when I wrote it. Like, <laughs> this was written in about 10 minutes and it it seems like it took as long to read
0: yeah. <laughs> I love that also most fan fictions are like, I bump into my favourite um, – I bump into Harry Styles and he says, sweet jacket, where'd you get it? And I say, oh, <laughs> Harry <laughs> – Um, I got it from my grandma and he's like, I'd love to meet her and then we go and have tea. Whether In this one, I manipulate somebody (laughs) into into doing what I want and the thing that I want is pretty weird.
1: Yeah, like, look, on second thoughts, like, you know, could the character development have used a bit more work? Uh, Quite possibly. Could the script have Mm. used some revisions? Quite possibly as well. Yeah. Uh, That's the benefit of uh, the internet uh, is Mm -hmm. that there are no rules and, Mm. you know, Sometimes you try things and they go; they work really, really well. Other times mm. you try them, and uh, you know you don't know if you're ever going to do them again. So yeah. uh, time will tell where this <laughs> sits. It could be the latter, but anyway, I, I just wanted to sort of give you an uplifting story of you you meeting Pierre. Um, yeah, and you know, just tell a nice, friend, fun tale that had a happy ending.
0: Yeah, wow, I'm I'm really pleased that you gave it that happy ending. Although I have the sense that. Um, Post, post-script, there might be, you know, some more weird behaviours that uh, that come out of this this character, Barney. Um, nothing like me. Um, well, it is open, I guess. So
1: <laughs> like any good movie, you leave the end open and you see what happens after that.
0: It's like No Country for Old Men where it just ends and you're like, what? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a cliffhanger. I think it's this a is a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. And,
1: I think this is a cliffhanger. Yeah,
0: sweet. um Um, great well there we go yeah um well thank you to everyone for listening and if you've stuck around for the reading of uh the script that uh dan created which you um, surely have which you surely yeah yeah which is sure yeah of course um yeah thank you very much (laughs) for listening um we've got the international break um which is uh it's so annoying because we've just we just had a good game but you know anyway um as always i've been barney i've been dan and thank you for listening. Come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy.
1: Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at com, and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.